0: Welcome, welcome to Easter at Restoration Church. We are really excited that you're here. Um, Every year when Easter rolls around, I just find myself remembering just how much I need this day. You know, Jesus is alive. Jesus has been raised. But It's so easy to forget that in the midst of the craziness of our life and everything. And so for us to come back and have, like Kayla said, an anchor in the ground here where I'm reminded, you know, to open my eyes again to see that Jesus is alive and to see that he is moving in the world all around us, in my life, in your life, in our world, that he holds the keys that unlock not just the gates of heaven, but they unlock this life that we have been invited into. They unlock the, the ability to know and be known by God, to understand what things like love and grace and hope and peace really look like in the person of Jesus. And so that is why we gather here. And, and it reminds me of something else that Jesus said honestly, uh, in the Gospel of uh, Matthew, right at the end, as he's about to you know, he's been raised from the dead, he's talked to his disciples' month, and he's about to go back to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he says, "Be sure." Of this, Be sure of this. I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's what we're celebrating here. We have this confident hope that Jesus is alive and that because he's alive, he is with you and he is with me and he is with us as we gather in his name. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump into the scriptures and, and t- talk about the rest of this morning. So Jesus, uh, as we have prayed, as we are standing here, as we are celebrating you this morning, I pray that that would be more than just a holiday on the calendar. That it would be a moment in time where we do put an anchor in the ground and we remember that you are alive, and we believe that you are alive, and we live like you are alive. So transform our hearts this morning, God, to be your people. Thank you for the gift of Easter. Thank you for the joy that we have in this day. Thank you for this community of people where we get to gather together in celebration. So we give you the honor and the glory to the best of our ability, the honor and the glory that is due to you. We pray that all in the name, the living name of Jesus, we say amen. Amen. Hey, uh, so we're coming to the end of our series. We've been in a series, uh, if you haven't been with us this spring, where we're calling the God series. And we're just simply taking a look in the scriptures at the names of God, either names that God ascribed to himself or the names that were ascribed to him by the people that knew him well or know him well. And so in the scriptures, there's all these names. And today we're talking about a very appropriate Name that occurs in the Old Testament, and that name is Jehovah Shema. Jehovah Shema. Jehovah, if you haven't been following along, is uh, the version of the the term Yahweh. Um, Israeli um, Jews were not really comfortable. They, They felt like the name of God was so holy that we transliterated it, Yahweh, into Jehovah because it was so holy we didn't want to say it. And then Shema, Shema, it simply means the God who is there. The God who is present, who is present among his people. Like, you know, it's one of those amazing names that captures so much. It's interesting. What's interesting to me about the names is that some of the names that we talked about God are used over and over again. And people become comfortable with like common names for God that they would use. And some of the names that are used in the scriptures are names that only occur once or maybe twice. But then that name becomes a characteristic. It becomes a trait. It becomes uh, an identity piece for those who follow Jesus, who love the Lord. And, and they, they, the idea gets reiterated over and over again in the scriptures. It becomes part of God's identity among his people. And this is one of them Jehovah Shema. It occurs only one time. In the Old Testament, in a book um, by the name of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament who spoke for God to his people. And, and it's, it's a book, really, it's kind of a, a stark book in the Old Testament because the, the whole story of the book is how God's people um, start out with a city, Jerusalem, and a temple where God's presence resides. That's where, in Old Testament times, God was there in the temple. And so if people wanted to worship, if they wanted to celebrate, if they wanted to be with God in his presence, they would go to the temple and do it there, worship there. But what happens in that process, somewhere along the way, Israel gets off track and they start to ignore God. They start to not go to the temple. They start to not look for his presence or follow his ways. And so even though God was present with them, they stopped being present with God. Even though God was present to them, they stopped being present to God. And so in one of these seasons where this happens, the Babylonians invade Jerusalem. They sack Jerusalem. And they destroy Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. And then they take a bunch of the Jews into exile. It's what they call the Babylonian Captivity historians and scholars, call the Babylonian captivity. So again, Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. The people are scattered into exile. And so there is now no temple. There's no city. And for their sake, there's no presence. There's no place where God is there. It's kind of a hard story because the people of God are not where they should be And the life they're living is not as it should be. And so Ezekiel just tells us this story. And it's disheartening until you get to the end. And at the end of the book of Ezekiel, there's this beautiful picture that God begins to to paint through the prophet Ezekiel. And he begins to speak. And he begins to remind the people that God's promises are always true. That God is faithful to his people. That even though it seems so dark, there will come a time when God will come and get them. That he will bring them back into his presence. Out of exile, out of captivity, and into his presence. He will be their God. They will be his people. And so Ezekiel paints the picture when all that is done, it'll be like this this majestic city like a new Jerusalem that will belong to them and that will be parties and celebrations. There will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. There will be a moment where God is with his people fully present. And he says to his people through this prophet, he goes, look, I know you feel alone and scattered. I know you're struggling. I know everything feels broken right now. Everything feels broken in your life right now. But there's coming a time when all that will end, where you'll never have to deal with doubt, suffering, hurting. God will be with you. He will be fully present. And you will be with God. We will be with God fully restored. It's this amazing picture. This beautiful city, this this city of celebration. And then it says this at the very end, the very last verse in the book of Ezekiel. And the name of the city from that time on will be The Lord is There. Jehovah Shema. The Lord is There. See, the thing is, this is a theme that is reiterated throughout the scriptures. We don't know when the city will be established. In fact, Jesus says look, you need to know this that that kingdom, that city, like it's near. It's near but it's not yet here in its fullness. It's near, but it's not yet here in its fullness. In the meantime, for us, for them then and us now, it's easy to doubt that God is there, that he's present, that he's with us. We look around and we see the struggle, we see the wars, we see all the junk around us, and it's hard sometimes to struggle to believe that he is Jehovah Shema that my God is with me, that he is there with us. And yet, he is Jehovah Shema. Years ago, I was, um, I was at a men's retreat. We were living in, in the Midwest, and I was at a men's retreat. You know, it's, men's retreats are those places where guys go to share their feelings. We love it. Um, but we, we went there and we were, you know, talking and listening. There were all these sessions that were going on and, and you know, each session you would either talk about stuff or you'd go, I'm, I'm making it sound really terrible, they're actually really fun, um, but I like to share my feelings. So um, anyway, we were there, um, we're doing we're <laughs> this one session, the, the speaker gets up and he starts to talk about you know, how God wants to heal the junk in our lives, the stuff, the wounds, the, the messages that we've carried with us. And he goes, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go for 30 minutes. I want you to go out just by yourself, silence, solitude. I want you to go find a spot. And I want you to sit, not thinking, not praying, just sit in silence and ask God to speak for 30 minutes, not a minute more, not a minute less, 30 minutes, set an alarm clock. And, you know, I'm like, oh. Okay, that sounds really fun. I'm a people person, right? So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. No, I, so, but I did it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. It was, it was in the middle of February in the Midwest. So add to the fun that it was super cold, Uh, and I'm out in the middle, so I drive my car out into the middle of this cornfield in the middle of Kansas, in the middle of nowhere, because everything in Kansas is a cornfield that is in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm out in the middle of this cornfield, and I'm sitting in my car, and it's cold, and I have to turn the heater on, then turn it off, then turn it back on, turn it off. 20 minutes, nothing. Dead silence. 25 minutes, nothing. I'm like, God, You're you're not there with me. Where are you? 26 minutes, nothing. 27 minutes, and I'm beginning to lose confidence. You know, I mean, I'm just sitting there, and I'm waiting for God to speak, and there's nothing. And then at minute 27, minute 27, it was like this unbelievably vivid memory came into my mind. It was a memory from when I was about 9 or 10 years old, and the thing just played out like I was watching it on a movie screen. It was the craziest thing. So vivid. It's one of those, like, vivid memories that you have where you can almost feel and see the rocks and things that are all around. And so this, this memory is where I'm climbing this waterfall with my dad and my cousin and my brothers. And so we're all climbing up this waterfall and, and I'm I am terrified of heights. Not when I'm looking down, but when I'm looking up. So we're climbing up and I'm just terrified of heights. And so we're going up and I'm climbing behind my dad and my cousin and, we're, and I'm struggling, you know. And so my dad is losing patience with me, to put it kindly. And he's like, come on, let's go, you know. But I'm like, oh, I can't find my way. And we're going up this thing. And again, it's so vivid. I could see, I can feel the rocks. And I am terrified. Like just petrified, almost to the point of not being able to move. And in the middle of that memory, it was like God just, this unbelievably still voice, a thought that wasn't my own comes into my head. And it was God who said, what do you wish your dad would have said to you in that moment? And I'm playing this thing back in my head, and I'm going, yeah, he was, I didn't feel like he was there with me. I, 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 just, God, I just wish he would have said that he was right there with me and that he wouldn't let me fall. I wish he would have said he was right there with me and he wouldn't let me fall. And the very next thing, God says, you wouldn't have believed him. You wouldn't have believed him. And you don't believe me either. See, I think part of the reason that we struggle to know that God is there, that he is Jehovah Shema, that Jesus is with us, is that while God is present to us, we're not very good at being present to God. While God is present to us, we're not very good at being present to God. Things like fear, distraction, impatience. Like we're terrible interpreters of our own circumstances. It's just part of the human condition. We are easily overwhelmed. And life is like climbing a waterfall, right? Like it's, it's scary, it's beautiful, sometimes it's a little bit dangerous, But the Father is there. That's what we believe, that Jesus is with us. And he's whispering in our ear the whole time, you've got this. I'm right here. I'm not going to let you fall. You've got this. But either we don't want to hear it or in truth, like we hear only parts of it. We believe it for a moment, but it's fleeting. See, the truth is, the truth is, my dad said all of those things. I was telling him this story a couple years ago, and he was like, I said all that stuff to you. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, yeah, I did. I'm pretty sure I remember saying all that stuff. i 10 years old. I'm a terrible interpreter of my circumstances. See, my dad was present to me, but I wasn't very good at being present to him, at hearing him. I was overwhelmed by the feelings of the moment. I was overwhelmed by the circumstances. And that's the truth of the human condition for all of us. We are easily overwhelmed. We have all these feelings that are going on in us. And on top of all that, we are distracted by all the things. And so while God is present to us, we have a really hard time being present to him. The truth is, though, that no matter what, no matter what, He is Jehovah Shema. He is there. Like That's the whole message of this book that we have. Over and over again, the scriptures just tell us the story of God being with his people. At the very beginning, it's Adam and Eve and they show up in the garden and they're they're doing all this stuff and even in the middle of their sin, their darkest moment, the sin, original sin, even in that moment, God pursues them. And he finds them in the cool of the day, and he's like, what's going on? They're like, we're naked. He goes, who told you you were naked? The very next story is, is uh, Cain killing his brother, and God puts his arm around Cain and goes, hey, where's your brother Cain, and, or where's your brother Abel? And Cain says, I, I don't know. I'm not my brother's keeper. And like a father, God says, you are. And in fact... Like your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In the midst of Cain's darkest moment, God was there. He pursued him. You just go all the way through the Old Testament. and It is the message over and over again that God is there. In the midst of Israel's struggle, they fall away and he's there bringing them back. And then Jesus comes on the scene, right? And and what does the prophet say about Jesus? Even his name, he will be called Emmanuel, which means... God with us. He is Jehovah Shema. And then we get to the very end, Revelation 21. In the end, there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, because the old order of things has passed away. Now, God has made all things new. He has restored everything. And he will be their God, and they will be his people. It's this beautiful picture front to back of a God who is absolutely present to his people no matter how many times they forget to be present to him. That's the gospel that we have. He is Jehovah Shema. See, the beautiful part about it is God knows that life can be overwhelming, that we're often distracted and that we're terrible Circumstance. There were terrible interpreters of our circumstance. But you just this is what you see in the scriptures over and over again, is God reminding. The Psalms are beautiful because they capture this emotion. Look at this. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In fact, that last line repeats three times in that passage. The Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord Almighty is with you. The God of Jacob is your fortress. The next one. So Isaiah, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am Jehovah Shema. I am there. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, even in my worst, darkest places, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And you just turn the pages. Romans 8. We know that in all things... The God who is alive, who is present, works all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This is the gospel. This is what we celebrate on Easter. may not turn out exactly like we want, but he is there. Life may not go on the prescribed route that we have, but he is there. Tragedies may happen, but he is there. This didn't become real to me until I had um, kids, and in particular, until I had teenagers. See, we, we've had four, we have, Jen and I have four kids, and when the kids were little, um, I remember it was Tad or it was Mike or somebody said to us, say, look, you need to know, like when your kids are little, it's physically hard. Right? You're chasing them around. You're getting little sleep, all of that stuff. He goes, when they become teenagers, that's when it gets emotionally hard because they're going through all kinds of stuff. And I remember thinking in the moment, like, okay, yeah, that's great, but you don't have my kids, <laughs> right? I got some kids. And then my older kids became teenagers, and I was like, whoa like what just happened like my kids are great my teenagers are great kids like they're completely awesome but you want to talk about a never ending roller coaster ride of emotions like all the emotions that you can possibly experience parent teenagers cuz it's on all the time up and down it's all the stuff all at once and it feels like there's so much at stake because they're beginning to really interpret their circumstances. And they're beginning to really, like, deal with life and stuff and figure out who they are as people. And so the emotions are up and down and up and down. And as a parent, as a father, you sort of, like, you sort of ride the roller coaster with them. You don't necessarily all of it. Like, you try not to, but we do, Right? as parents. Like, we're invested in what's going on in their life. We're human, and we love them. And so when they're up, it's like, oh, yeah, life's awesome. And when they go down, it's like, ooh, I'm worried about my kids. That's sort of the journey. And I'm, as much as I, you know, want to divorce myself or pull myself apart, like, I'm with them in it all the time. See, as a parent, there are some times that you want to rescue them in the middle of those roller coaster moments, and you can. And then there are other times that you kind of know they need to go through the thing that they're going through, and they need to learn how to process it because that's the only path that they're going to grow and become stronger. And so you let them go through some of those hard things because you have to. And then sometimes there's just tragic things that happen, and, and everybody tries to recover from it. But in every one of those situations, as a father, man, I am all in. I am there with them. In fact, there's no experience that my kids have that I don't go through with them. Because that's my heart. I am walking with them. I am for them. It can be scary. It can be beautiful. It can be dangerous. But my heart is to protect and guide and whisper in their ear I am there. I am here. And I won't let you fall. That's the heart of a father, a broken one. How much more so is the heart of our our father, of Jehovah Shema? Only he's the one that has all the keys. He's the one that can work it all for his good and for our glory. And so the only question that we are left with is do we believe it? Do we believe that he is Jehovah Shema? Do we believe that Jesus is alive and he is with us as the people of God? Does it change the way that we interact with our world, how we interpret our circumstances? Do we believe when Jesus says, I am with you, even to the end of the age? Not do we believe in Jesus. Do we believe Jesus when he says that? Enough to where it changes us. Like this is the message of Easter. That he is alive and he is with us. And when we believe it, it changes everything. That's the beauty of believing and trusting that our Father is Jehovah Shema, that He is there. See, on our past, no matter where we've been, no matter what you've gone through, the truth is that He was there. There's nothing that you've experienced that Jesus didn't go through with you. Just as true in our presence, no matter where you are now or what you are going through, Easter reminds us that He is there. He is with you in it. The highs, the lows, And then when we think about the future, no matter matter what you're worried about, no matter where you think life might go that you've been carrying some anxiety about, no matter what you fear might happen in the future, see, the truth is he will be there. The truth is he is already there because he is Jehovah Shema. He is the God who is with us. And if there's one thing, one thing that Easter tells us, if there's one truth that we have to embrace for our own sake and for his glory, that if there's one truth to cling to that we can be sure of, it is this, that he is with us, that he is with you and he is with me, even to the end of the age. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. The band's going to come up. And I don't know where you are today. Easter comes quickly to us all. I don't know where you have been, where you are currently, or what you're worried about in the future. Whatever it is, whether it's a high to celebrate or a low that you are afraid of or working through, this is the truth that we embrace He is Jehovah Shammah. He is there and he is with you and he will not forsake you and he will never leave you. This is what we believe and what we cling to. Let today be that day where you put a stake in the ground and go, this is the truth that is going to change how I interpret my circumstances from this point forward. God, I believe that you are Jehovah Shammah that all of my life you have been faithful, that all of my life you have been there with me, that nothing that I have experienced is beyond you, that you have not been in it with me to the very end. I don't understand all of it. I don't pretend to see what you were up to in all of it, but I believe this morning that you are there You're bigger than my feelings and my circumstances. You are bigger than my fears and my doubts. That your presence is the thing that I need most in life. So God, we just want to proclaim you this morning. We want to believe in in our hearts at the deepest places of who we are, that you are here with us, that no matter where we go, we can trust that you are our Father, whispering in our ears, I am here, and I will not let you fall. So we ask for this by your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak this truth into our hearts, our minds, our lives, our homes. Everything about us would begin to reflect this truth, that you are Jehovah Shema, and we love you.